everyone, welcome to the AP Reread, your audio version of Spark Notes, enabling you to hold educated conversations on books you've barely touched. Today we're actually doing a flash episode. We are not scripted. We are on the fly. Let's get into it. We are doing a Q3 prompt again. Carefully read Olive Senior's 2005 poem, Plants. Then, in a well-organized essay, analyze how the poet portrays the complex relationship among the speaker, the implied audience, and plant life. You may wish to consider the author's use of such literary techniques, the syntax, diction, and figurative language. Alright, let's get into the poem. Plants. Plants are deceptive. You see them there, looking as if once rooted, they know their places. Not like animals, like us, always running around, leaving traces. Yet, from the way they breed, excuse me, and twine, from their exhibitionist and rather prolific nature, we must infer a sinister, not to say imperialistic, grand design. Perhaps you've regarded, as beneath your notice, armies of mangrove on the march, fruits in the air, clinging tendrils anchoring themselves everywhere? The world is full of shoots bent on conquest, invasive seedlings seeking wide open spaces, material gathered for explosive dispersal in capsules and seed cases. Maybe you haven't quite taken in the colonizing ambitions of hitchhiking burrs on your sweater, surf riding nuts bobbing on ocean, parachuting seeds and other airborne traffic dropping in. And what about those special agents called flowers? Dressed, perfumed, and made up for romancing insects, bats, birds, bees, even you. Don't deny it, my dear. I've seen you sniff and exclaim. Believe me, innocent, then sweet fruit, that sweet fruit, that berry, is nothing more than ovary. The instrument to seduce you into scattering plant progeny. Part of a vast cosmic program that once set in motion cannot be undone. Though we become plant food and earth wind down, they'll outlast us. They were always there, one step ahead of us. Plants gone to seed, generating the original profligate, extravagant, reckless, improvident weed. Alright, first thing I get from this is like the whole colonizing and like shooting out kind of idea. Yeah, I agree. Um, plants are usually something overlooked, as it was stated in like the first few stanzas. But uh, what the reader does with a lot of this figurative language is kind of personify them and turn them into, like you said, Gabby, these forces of colonization. The way that he describes the plants, um, that figurative language really does help the audience understand the point he's trying to make by relating the plants to human life and like their behaviors. There's like the kind of dichotomy because like it's obviously something that seems very innocent and very like stagnant as like with the first stanza that plants are deceptive but then it goes into like their like sexuality and they're like mm-hmm. they're just it's like, like it's like he's trying to villainize plants somehow but like also <laughs> make them more human yes so, yes okay okay um <laughs> no way to make the plants more human you almost have to villainize them since that's have that true. tendency that is true <laughs> okay so the prompt says something about the implied audience so what do you guys think what do you guys think the implied audience is here i think he's just addressing like the human race as a whole or like anybody who has used or seen or like even like thought of plants ever i think he's got like a really broad um demographic here that he's trying to address I agree because the first time that he brought up conquest, like I immediately thought of like empires and like grand, like grand, you know, grand like yeah. in governments, whatever. But like if you look at it, it kind of like goes even to like the individual, how like 
we as humans like as individual humans are also like deceptive and like ambitious right right um i found it really interesting right around like i think it's either the fifth or sixth stanza where he brings up how i guess these plants can be used for a bunch of different things like perfume it could be dressed it could be used for like romance yeah, yeah. And i think that speaks a lot to human nature but i think the only thing that contradicts that is that he says in the last stanza that they'll outlast us so mm. i don't know if he's talking about like human legacy because you can't be talking about the individual there mm-hmm Part of me almost thinks he is literally talking about plants and how <laughs> and he's trying to address the fragi- the fragility not only of human existence, but, you know, the hidden strength that all living things have. And then that last line about, like, they'll outlast us is to remind us that it's the plants world and we're just living in it. <laughs> no, honestly, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Because if you think about it, he's taking such like a pessimistic approach to all of this. Mm-hmm. Instead of like glorifying like human ambition, he's kinda he's kinda demonizing it. Yeah. <laughs> so speaker implied audience and plant life. What would we what kind of thesis would we make up for this? Well, okay, first, let's think of what literary devices he uses a lot. Yeah, uh, maybe we should start from, like, the smaller ones and see, like, how he develops that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. There's uh, lots of personification within it. Oh, for sure. Lots of personification. Mm -hmm, Um, Yeah, shoots bent on conquest. Right, right. Um, Hitchhiking burrs. Airborne traffic dropping in. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and then also quite a bit of quite a bit of um, diction that kind of goes along with the personification. So like exhibitionist, prolific, mm. sinister, um, dressed, perfumed, made up, um, instrument to seduce. Oh, yep, <laughs> that that's a good one. <laughs> okay, so. Through the use of the personification, like he, I feel like it creates like, I know like personification is kind of obvious, but I feel like it like links his like words to the fact that they represent like humans and human nature. For sure. All right. Is there anything else that we want to kind of talk about? I would maybe also like just note like all the Wait, symbolism. Oh, there's definitely a shift in tone. Like it went from like it's like what we said earlier how it went from oh yeah they're deceptive to like all of a sudden they'll outlast us. Mm-hmm. Oh, what kind of literary technique would that be? Uh, like a shift in tone, I guess. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. So, how about our thesis? What do you guys think? Um, maybe something like through seniors' poem plants. Um, he utilizes personification, diction, and tone shift in order to illustrate the human nature. I guess maybe like compare illustrate human nature in plants as well (sighs) this is hard (laughs) i would say like maybe even like compare human nature to like 
the biological activities to plants. Right. Other forms of life. But exactly. In order to like ultimately portray their kind of our our own like downfalls. Evil and right. Yes, yes. Okay. Alright, does everybody agree with that one? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, he was not kidding when he said this one was a doozy. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, this was an opportunity for you fellow listeners to hear us all off script. Thanks again for tuning in. And just know that not everything is always so organized. And I don't always have a catchy catchy uh, ending ready. And yeah, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> I'm storm the acorn headquarters. Right. Yep. <laughs> Oh my god, we should make an acorn pun. Like, I'll, I'll like, stitch it into the audio. Oh, yeah. But... Ooh. And remember, acorns? Wait. And remember, because... Dang it! <laughs> <laughs> that acorn trademark may not be as benign as you think it is, okay? <laughs> <laughs>